0: People may doubt what you say, but they will believe what you do. That is a quote by Lewis Cass. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Well, hello. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is episode 165. Before we get started with the episode, I'm delighted to announce that I'll be speaking at Women in Tech Texas Conference on May 19th through 20th, 2022. This event offers an immersive educational experience for like-minded women to access proven strategies and tools to support them in their mission to achieve their career goals. Registration is now open. Book your pass today and secure a 15% discount with my discount code, W-I-T-T-Speaker 15. Again, that code is W-I-T-T-Speaker 15. And to register, go to the website, www.women-in-tech-texas.com. Now, on with the episode. The topic of this week's episode is What is your interaction hero? My guest this week is John Davis. John is an internationally known keynote speaker, comedian, fight director, stuntman, college professor, artistic director, and action hero. He has traveled extensively throughout the world speaking to audiences of all ages and backgrounds. In 28 countries and over 4,000 live performances, John inspires you to set and reach your maximum potential and awaken your inner action hero. At 22 years old, John's spine broke in half, dashing his dreams of becoming a stuntman, fight director, and martial artist. Doctors told him he may never walk again, and if he did, he could never have a physical career. Until what he now calls the 5F formula, John overcame the limiting beliefs of others and brought himself back. He went on to perform over 4,000 live comedy sword fighting stunt shows all over the world, including performing more than 100 shows on the most remote basis in both Iraq and Afghanistan on six USO tours. Hi, John. Welcome to Trina Talk.
1: Well, hello, Trina. I am so excited to be here. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today.
0: I think we are, too, especially since you're the action hero. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure we're going to get into that. Um, But how I like to start off the show, I ask all my guests to tell the listeners who you are and what made you the John action hero that you are today. Oh, OK. Well, that's a, I'll try to keep it as short
1: as possible because it's a kind of a little bit of a drawn out story. But um, when I was a young boy, I wanted to be Errol Flynn. I wanted to be Robin Hood and go swing from the trees and sword fight and do all that stuff. And when I got into my late 20s or early 20s, actually, about like 2021, 20, I, uh, I got interested in being a stuntman and a fight director for film. And I ended up meeting two of the top fight directors in the world who thought I had talent and started training me. And at 22 years old, the end of my 22nd year, I I uh, was asked by a friend of mine to help him unload his van. And I went out and I um, was unloading boxes of clay. He was a professional potter. And I picked up that first box of clay and I turned to set it outside of the van and my spine split in two. And I collapsed and was paralyzed. And. They took me to the hospital and I had my big dreams of being a stuntman and fight director were all going away very quickly. Doctor told me, he says, we're not sure you're ever going to walk again. And even if you do walk again, you're never going to have a physical career. And while I was lying in that hospital bed, a buddy of mine gave me a book by Bruce Lee called The Dao Jeet Kune Do. And as I read that book, I found all kinds of great insights. One of them was all about um, leveraging your present moment. And, and t- not taking anybody else's belief, you take your own belief. And then um, lastly, about mental flexibility, when things seem tough or adverse, staying flexible and staying on, on focus onto your goals. And so that day, lying in that hospital bed, I started flexing the muscles in my neck. And I slowly, over the course of a month, went down my back until finally I flexed my hips, which was below my injury. And then um, I ended up over the next year working my way back out of that bed. And at a year and a half, I was back to my full self, going back for my black belt and climbed up on top of a tower and jumped off into a fall pad, three stories, and went on to do over 4,000 live comedy sword fighting stunt shows all over the world, including the front lines of Iraq and Afghanistan on six USO tours. And after 21 years of doing that show all over the world, I, um, I realized that I, was, I, I, had so, I had something I needed to tell people, you know, what what they're capable of and, and finding that interaction here within themselves. And so I needed to find a way that I could not only deliver that message, but still do the fun stuff that I like to do, like bull whips and numchucks and all that kind of fun stuff. And so I created the Corporate Action Hero. And now what I do for a living is I'm a keynote speaker. I travel all over the world. I go into corporations and I teach people how to awaken their interaction hero, achieve more. And one of the, one of the big key things that I do when I'm there, it, it's the finale of my main corporate speech. Uh, I take one person in their audience and bring them to the stage. And under five minutes, they learn to crack a whip and take targets out of my hand. Really? (laughs) So there you go. There's the reader's digest version. There's a lot in there, I know.
0: (laughs) Wow. You know, I'm just sitting here, though, amazed. (coughs) One, like I said, you're the action hero. And I was like, "Mm, this is going to be an interesting interview because I want to see how (laughs) you got that name. Um, But thank you, being a former uh, military person. Thank you for, you know, touring with the USO and doing that because I've been deployed to, places where people came in to entertain us.
1: It was the greatest honor of my life. You know, as you know, when I, when I say to a soldier like yourself, I say, uh, you know, thank you for the service. I mean it because I've seen it. I've seen that service first and for, you know, right, right on the front lines. And, um, I figure for people like yourself who volunteered to go any in the world, anywhere in the world to defend my freedoms, it was the least I could do to go there and make you laugh for a couple hours. Oh wow,
0: that's very nice. Well, thank you, thank you for doing that because yeah, when we're away, you know, it's kind of rough. So anything like that that can bring us joy and laughter, it's always appreciated. Um, but okay, stunt man, fight director, <laughs> Bruce Lee. I loved Bruce Lee growing up. Um, oh, me
1: too, me too.
0: Oh my goodness! And Bruce Lee and all of this, and basically, you willed yourself back to. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting about Bruce Lee. When Bruce Lee wrote that book that I read, he was lying in a hospital bed in traction and had just been told he'd never do martial arts again. And he did every movie you know him for as an adult after that, because most people don't know it. He was a movie star when he was seven.
0: Yeah.
1: He did Chinese movies. Mm -hmm. Um, But all the movies we know him for in the States happened after his back injury. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yes. 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 Wow! Even 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 when he did Cato in the Green Hornet, his mm-hmm. his back injury was before that. Wow, <laughs>
0: isn't that crazy? It is. My goodness! Wow. So, so let's back up. So I'm going to go before the injury and before you became action hero. What yes. what did you do in life?
1: I, well, at that point, I was a student, and I was and I was going to college for architecture. Okay. Um. But I really, you know, I really had a passion for doing stunt work. And what eventually happened was a friend of mine, my best friend, still my best friend today, known the guy since he was five, um, drugged me to a Renaissance festival, and I ended up doing a, a Renaissance festival as a as a patron, dressed up in a costume, <laughs> and was so I had so much fun. With had my own costume the next year. I went back and, and I got stuck at the Renaissance festivals. And that's when I did my hack and slash comedy show, it started at Renaissance festivals and we went all over the world with the, with the, our show that we started as Renaissance festivals.
0: So this is amazing. So basically, like you said, as a kid, you had your heroes, then you went to Renaissance festivals. And then now, you know, you're doing stunts and comedy. I mean, how, how, much better does it get because oh, not, <laughs> not many people get to follow their passions, right? Well, and it's it's so interesting.
1: You know, you know my when I was a kid, those are the things I wanted to do. But my back injury showed me that I was capable of achieving anything. Mm. And what's really interesting is that when I when I realized that I could do anything, and I and I put myself into the belief that I could do anything, I did everything that I ever wanted to do. I mean, I've been to 30 countries. I climbed Mount Sinai. I swam uh, in the in the the Nile and in the blue lagoons of Iceland. I climbed Machu Picchu. I, I mean, I've done everything I've ever wanted to do, and most of that I got paid to go do, because you know, and it was just literally my my saying, "I want to do this," and then the opportunities sort of arose and came. And I, you know, I believe I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a, a the number six child of a very Catholic mother. And, and uh, she had her master's degree in liturgy. And when when I turned eighteen, she said, "John, you need to." Um, and she said, "Spirituality is a is a personal journey." And you need to look into what you believe. And, and you know, I hope you come back to Catholicism, but you know, so I spent years and years and years studying Buddhism and Krishna and 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 um, Muslim and 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 Islam and I I, I everything. I said everything I possibly could, and I found so much truth in all of it. And I found the same correlating thoughts. You know, Buddha says, What you think you become, you create your world. Krishna said you are the culmination of your thought. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. You know, <laughs> and then in all of them, there's also kindness. You know, the Dalai Lama says, "My religion is simple. My religion is kindness." And Muhammad said, "He who knows not kindness has no faith." You know, so you find if you find that if you're if you truly believe the world is good and positive, and that things come to you, and you're kind in the process of it, you end up getting all kinds of amazing experiences in your life. And that's that's how I've lived my life. And you know, the, you know the expression, "What you what what you sow, you reap." Mm-hmm. that expression when i traveled through through egypt i was treated like a prince everywhere i went and, mm-hmm. and i it was literally because i treated everybody because like, i was so excited i was so happy to meet everybody and experience that culture and you know i had so i made so many new friends when i was there and about the, the 20th day in the trip i ran into the ne- another american
2: mm-hmm. he says hey
1: are you american i said yeah i am He says, uh, he says have you been having problems since you've been here I said no. Everywhere I go, but he's treating me like a prince. He says everywhere I go, people want to fight me. And five five minutes later, I wanted to fight the guy, <laughs> right? because what you put out in, in, in your world, what you think, and what you put out into the world is what you're going to get back. And so I thought I am going to be a stuntman, and so I became a stuntman. I thought I'm going to go to Egypt, and next thing you know, I was invited to go to Egypt on a on a free trip. So it was like it was just, and I, it sounds kind of woo woo and and magical but we're told in all the spiritual texts we're also told in quantum physics the same exact thing our thoughts are creative and so stay stay in your thought process and you'll get whatever you whatever you want in life
0: you know it's funny you say that i i, I really believe that as well um being a christian you know so a man think it so is he and i've started to what what do you want to say Do affirmations and manifest and things like that? Because I realized that that is true. How you think, what you expect is what you get.
1: Right. And, you know, and Jesus himself said, um, when you pray, believe you will receive and you will receive. Right. Mm -hmm. And the the tough part of that is, is how do you pray? Right. You know, and it's funny because prayer to me is just asking the asking God. Mm -hmm. It's just basically asking God. And um, Jesus said, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. Mm-hmm. Nothing will be impossible for you. Mm-hmm. But God's name is the key part of that, because when Moses climbed the mountain and got to the top, he asked the burning bush, what's your name? And the bush said, I am. Mm. So I think our, our our prayers to God are so simple that we're missing that we're actually praying sometimes, you know, because I think what we declare and affirm about our life is a prayer. Mm-hmm. And so, if we say I am tired, or I am lacking, or I am poor, or I am hungry, then we're going to get those experiences because that's what God promises. Whatever we whatever we put our faith in, and then Jesus said, "You know, it's your faith that heals you." So it literally is your belief. Because it, it, nowhere in the Bible does it actually Jesus say, actually say it's your faith in me. He said it's your faith, mm-hmm. your belief. God is so big and so great and so wonderful and giving you these opportunities that all you have to do is ask
0: mm-hmm. and
1: believe and receive.
0: Yeah. And it's funny. Like, like I was saying, I feel like, you know, I'm,
1: I feel like I'm in church right now. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm preaching,
1: I'm preaching, baby.
0: But <laughs> well, you know, going back to the guy you met in Egypt is funny because you get, you do, you get what you expect and how you stated, he came up to you like, Hey, are you having problems? And I could see him in my mind. That's how he went out until the culture. Egypt. Right. And that's how people received him and that's what he got back. Right,
2: right.
1: You know, it, it's it's so interesting. I I his his main issue was he was traveling in a Muslim country. And he had he had he had an issue with 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 Muslims. And I traveled in so many Muslim countries and mm-hmm. have met so many wonderful and loving people. Right. And and what I find really interesting is the people who have given given that religion a bad name technically aren't Muslim. Mm-hmm because Islam means peace and Muslim means follower of peace. And if you're a terrorist, you're not following peace. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And so technically they're not Muslims. They're just terrorists. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the Muslim people that I have met have been beautiful, wonderful people who've treated me with such utter kindness, Mm -hmm. you know, every, every time. And on that trip to Egypt, my wife was with me. She was treated tremendously well. Everybody was on the trip was treated tremendously well. Of course, we were treating everybody around us equally and tremendously well. So we got, what we we got what we expected.
0: You know, and I, I love hearing that. And on this show, I I try to do things that are positive and inspiring, whether it's the business standpoint or whatever, but I love the mindset, how you're going about the mind and and saying Mm -hmm. what you feel, what you believe, what you think, because I think in life, It is always the woe is me. Oh, I'm I'm lacking. I'm this. I'm that. Instead of people really, changing their mindset. Right.
1: Because the the thing that I find interesting right now is I speak to Fortune five hundred companies all the time, all the time. And what's really interesting to me is I'm I'm talking about the same stuff all the time. You know, they want a positive work culture, but how do you mm-hmm. create a positive work culture? You go there and you be a positive part of that culture and you, and you ex- express it into there, you know, and you, you show people it's okay. Right. It's the same exact stuff. It's some, it's sometimes depending on which corporation I'm talking to, I've got to reframe it. Right. You know, use words like positive work culture right? and, and goal setting and stuff like that, instead of, you know, prayer and, and, right. and, and that, but, the thing is, it's all this, it's all the same stuff. And what's fascinating to me is over the past 10 years of speaking, I have seen in the corporate world more and more people coming out and talking openly about their spirituality in the corporate environment, yeah. which I'm I'm fascinated by. And I've seen in the past five years, corporations have done a major shift towards What's called a values approach to business, okay. where they're all trying to create family values and create a family environment at work. Well, it's the same. Once again, they're creating this positive family nurturing experience at work, which creates that positive work environment and does all the things. So it's just a matter of, of now people saying, um, "What? What? You know, which? Think and grow rich. the, the book by mm-hmm. Napoleon Hill. Right. Yeah. I just did a conference um, for a company about a month ago. And every person at the conference got "Think and Grow Rich" as a gift. Okay. And to me, that's that's a that's like a stepping stone from, you know, spirituality to business. Right. So, which I think is fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it is, and through your journey from going to college to having this traumatic injury to recovering. What was what were the steps for you to do that? Because I know you said your friend gave you the Bruce Lee book, which kind of helped you get your mindset in. But while you were recovering, was there a point where you were like, "Okay, am I really going to walk? What what am I going to do? Because, I mean, you know, to be honest, we all go through that, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you asked me that question because I developed a five step system called the five F's of achievement. Mm and the 5Fs, and I'm going to give your audience my 5F workbook as a free gift. And I mean free. I'm not even going to get their email address or anything. They can just go there and download it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nothing on that page will sell them a thing. I promise. Um, but the 5Fs fi- the are interesting because what they do is they hack the fight or flight response. Okay. And... and the biggest issue that we all have when we have traumatic experience or, or come to moments of adversity in my life, when the doctor told me my back, you know, that I may never walk again, the first thing that came up was my fear. I was afraid of it. You know, I was terrified and went to some very dark places. You know, they say when you're when you're in your fear is when you're in your darkest place. And, um, in, you know, in Sufism, they, they talk about life being God in heaven on one side of a veil and we're on the other side of the veil. And our life is the struggle against the veil, and the veil is fear. Right. So, how do you overcome fear? So, I had to find ways to overcome my fear. And so, my the first of my five Fs is fearlessness. And so, what in fearlessness? What I did was I I started deciphering what the word fear meant, because when I when I ask audiences all over the world, what what give me a definition of fear, the rooms always go silent, mm-hmm. and then somebody in the back of the room will say <laughs> will say the same thing. They'll say false evidence appearing real because i hear that one from a lot of different people all over the world false mm-hmm. and but it's not actually the definition of fear because fear when you break it down is an emotional reaction to some future event that may or may not happen with you focused on a negative outcome
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: actually negatively focused on certainty is mm-hmm. all fear really is yeah. because if you were focused positively you wouldn't be afraid that's true right yeah so 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 i had to realize that it was fear then i had to, then i had to look at the you know what is the physical reaction that we have to fear when when we have that experience? The first thing that happens when somebody gets into fear is they don't feel like they can breathe. Yeah. They, their chest gets their chest gets all tight and everything. And most people think it's because they just can't breathe. Well, it's, it's not the reason why they can't breathe. The, the reason that they can't breathe is because their body is full of air and they're they're holding on to their air so that they can run further and faster. Yeah. And I can prove I can prove it. Because have you ever seen, have you ever watched National Geographic shows on TV? Yes. Okay. You know, every one of those episodes has a poor doomed gazelle, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right.
2: Yes.
1: And that gazelle's out there eating grass in the fields, like, And then the and lion then the, comes. And the lion comes, right? What's the first thing a gazelle does? It goes this gasp Gas yeah. for air. Yeah. Right? <gasps> it's, a, it's the primal response of fear is to fill our lungs as full as we possibly can so that we can run further and faster. Every parent that's listening to this podcast remembers the moment when their child, who was two years old, almost fell and hurt themselves on the edge of the table. And and they've all went and gasped for air. It's a primal reaction, right? Actors on Broadway are trained that if they walk on stage and forget all their lines, they're literally trained to exhale, relax all their muscles, and all their lines come back to their head because it shuts off the fear response and turns the cognitive thinking brain back on. And so what, when I got into my my moments of adversity, I just, uh, and, and exhaled and I just started to breathe. And what's, what's the, um, what do they call it in the Bible? They call it the breath of God, right? Hmm. Uh, Exhale, breathe. So so that's the first one, fearless. The other thing I said was fear is negatively, negatively focused on certainty. So the second of my Fs is focus. You know, what are you focused on, right? When I was on the front lines of Iraq and I was talking to soldiers, I said, you know, you're going on a mission this afternoon and you might get shot at or have an RPG shot at you or something crazy like that. How can you do it? How can you go out and do these missions? The first thing they say is, well, we stay focused on our objective Mm -hmm. and and the successful accomplishment of the objective, right? So they get very seriously focused and and before they even do that, they all get together and go, ah, okay, we're gonna go do this.
2: Mm-hmm. They
1: all exhale. Right? So now they've exhaled and now they're gonna focus on their goals. So they get fearlessly focused. The other thing that they do is is they they believe, they believe they're gonna do it. They they have faith in it. Mm-hmm. So fearlessly focus with faith. Mm-hmm. Right? They have to have that, that faith. Now Jesus said in the Bible, you know, whatever you ask in God's name in faith, you will receive. You have to have the faith, have to have the belief in it. So fearlessly focus with faith. And then the next one's the hardest one of all of the five, and that's follow-through. Mm-hmm. Follow-through. Actually getting off your butt and doing some. Oh, yeah. right? And sometimes faith doesn't come until you've had successful outcome from the follow-through. So it really depends on, you know, they're, they're kind of interchangeable, those, those middle two there. But because, you know, trust is developed by results over time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to do some and see a result so that you can then start to trust it. And then trust becomes faith. Um, so you have to look. You have to look at actually getting off the couch and doing something. The problem that I see with most people who are trying to achieve anything in their life is they sit in this moment here, which is the I am moment, not the I will be or I, I was. The, the only moment you have, your thought, word, and deed in and they focus on how bad that person was to them, to them in the past and how wow. all those things in the past has affected their life negatively, and they stay living in this past experience. Or they sit in this moment and they look at the goal that they've set way up there, and they think it's so big and daunting, and they, they, in this moment they feel crushed by this future thing that may or may not happen, right? And rather than staying very present, and if you stay present and stack present moment successful moments, right? So it starts stacking small successful moments.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: What happens is a big thing behind you, this past has the subconscious mind has two jobs. The first job is to store your present moment memories. So they give you a subconscious underlying belief. Mm -hmm. The second job is to show you what you're focused on. So for instance, when I first started liking Jeeps, I started seeing Jeeps everywhere when I drove down the road, Yeah, right? You start just start seeing them, right? The reason that is, is because your subconscious mind, when you focus your conscious mind on something, your subconscious mind starts to help you achieve it. Mm -hmm. And then if you can keep this consciously focused here successfully and start doing the things and making this moment successful. Then you're, now you're stacking subconscious mind back here that, that is more successful, and those negative things that were affecting you before are no longer affecting you because you've changed the underlying subconscious belief. So now you've got this, this cycle of positivity behind you. But that's the problem that people have who are negative is they're, they're constantly focusing on negative. So they see things that are negative, which creates a negative moment, which stacks a negative moment in their past, and they're running a treadmill of negativity. And mm. the only way you can break that cycle is to start something new, be born again right here. Mm. You know, just start something new wow. and and clear out the past right And that's the way that's the way it works so yeah, before I get on to the last step do you want do you want to jump in on anything on that?
0: Well, you know my question is and you know I'm saying it's easier said than done, right? So that's what most people are gonna say. you know, oh, don't think about your past. Okay. So I'll take myself, for instance, I'm a type a goal setter. Right. So yeah, 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 yeah. I have that goal right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yep, that's what I'm aiming for. And I have to admit, I am one who I don't celebrate the small wins because I'm so focused on trying to get to the big win.
2: Yeah. And that's what
0: I've been telling myself recently. I'm like, I have to celebrate the small wins. Cause I forgot what it was. Oh, I, I, my birthday was in June, so I, huh. I took a vacation, a are you
1: Gemini, vacation. are you Gemini? I am. I'm a Gemini, so it's good.
0: Yes. <laughs> All right. So I did a staycation for a couple of days the weekend, and my goal was I'm not doing work, I'm not answering phones, anything. And I did that, and I told someone that, and they were like, "Oh, what well, did you celebrate?" And I was like, what do "You mean celebrate?" They were like, "That's a win. You should celebrate and be proud of yourself for doing that." And that made me think, and I was like, you know, I do need to start doing things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So how does someone like me, you
1: know? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to help you out in a big way. (laughs) I'm going to help you in a big way because I heard what you just said Mm -hmm. and I, and and you, and you were saying red flags to me. Yep. Mm -hmm. You absolutely were. When I was in that bed, there were certain words I had to take out of my vocabulary. Okay. And the words were wanting, needing, hoping, and trying. And the reason I had to take those words out is because they are not present moment active, right? If I ask, God, if I am God's name wanting, God's going to lovingly give me something to want, right? But wanting doesn't feel good. And what you were saying, I'm trying to get to that big goal, uh, right? <laughs> the That's not the way the world works. Right. See, Right. Here's the way the world works. You set these giant goals out there, right? But you're never going to get to the future. You can't go to the store next Thursday right now, yeah. right? The only way that goal, you're going to achieve that goal is to do the present moment thing that's in alignment with that goal. And that thing is coming to you in your present moment, because when you experience it, it's going to be in the here and now. Mm -hmm. And so the more you can bring yourself into positive present moment successes, those small ones that you need to celebrate yourself for, right? Today, okay, to, to get to that giant goal I want up there. I am doing this and then check it off the list and feel good about checking yeah I did that all right I did that feel positive the more positive reinforcement and the more positive successes you create in the present moment the faster that giant goal comes to you mm-hmm. the faster it comes to you and it, it's so fascinating when I look at when I look at uh, uh, people who, who I work with coaches and stuff like that there there are times that they they get there's so much you know, they're so they're big achievers. Let's put it that way. They're, they're really big achievers in life. When I give them this one reverse look where I say, you're not getting to it, it's coming to you. Mm-hmm. Depending on what you do here, all of their achievements happen twice as fast. Because mm-hmm. they realize the time wasted focusing on trying to get there right. instead of staying here and doing something. Is is it just cuts the learning curve and it cuts the process down. So it makes everything come quicker. So for me, I had to get rid of wanting, needing, hoping, trying, anything that wasn't, wasn't present, moment, active. So my mom, my moments became filled of instead of with wanting and needing, it was creating, enjoying, you know, I am a stuntman. I am a fight director. I am doing these things, you know, and the present moment, the I am moment, he said God's name was I am. So the present is a present. It's God's moment. He's gave you the present, Right. So it's a gift, right? So you have to make sure you're living it the best you can.
0: Mm, okay. I, I like that. And you, you're right. And, and like, I'm just speaking for me, listeners. Um, that is something I do. Those words, I do need to expel from my vocabulary because exactly what you said. Okay. So go ahead. Go to your your fifth one.
1: My fifth one is the one that kind of Bruce Lee taught me a long time ago is flexibility. You see, Whenever you're going for any kind of goal or trying to achieve anything in your life, there's always going to be something that's going to come up that's going to seem contrary to what you're trying to achieve. Happens every time. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is if you are truly focused on a positive outcome and this thing comes up. Remember earlier I said your subconscious mind shows you what you're focused on. Mm -hmm. So if you're focused on a positive goal and this thing comes up, your subconscious mind is not showing you that to stop you it's not your enemy it's showing you that because it what it's what needs to be addressed to get to your goal. So when something comes up you go oh I need to either incorporate this uh, remove this or just disregard this you know you know depending on what on what this thing is that comes up in the way but you have to keep the focus on, on the outcome that you're going for but stay very present and active in eradicating whatever whatever blockages pop up And so you have to you have to stay mentally flexible. So the five Fs are fearlessly focused with faith, follow through with flexibility. And the interesting thing is when you, when you, when you implement these things in your life, you, you realize that they're not linear like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, As you're going through your process, you're going to find that each one co- comes up different times in different ways. And fear is always the prevalent one. Yeah. Every time you move into the next thing, a fear is going to pop up. You know, First thing I say is exhale. Give yourself the gift of breath. Right. Just breathe. Every every um in in Christianity they talk about the breath of God, right? In Buddhism, all the chanting and all the oming and all all the breathing techniques. And in Hinduism, all the all the yoga is breathing techniques, right? And it's all about the breath and the air coming in and out. And when I started meditating, I've been meditating now for over 30 years. I you know, meditate twice a day. And what I find really interesting is When I first started meditating, I used to focus on just breathing, and count the breaths down, and do all this whole process. And now, thirty years later, I go in there and I go, and I drop into state. I don't have to do any process anymore because I'm. It's just the the simple breath itself that takes me there, and it, it literally comes down to that breath being. Uh, basically a cleansing of anything that's stopping your mind from going forward, because your mind, your mind is the key. What you believe is what you're achieving. And if you want to take it out of spirituality and drop it into full blown science, um, Edgar Mitchell, the, the Apollo astronaut when he was coming back from space had a transcendental experience on his way back into the orbit into, into the atmosphere. And he started a new science called noetic science, which takes quantum physics and, you know, whatever else he, and metaphysics. And he kind of, he's trying to prove it scientifically. Well, noetic science has recently, in the past 10 years, has proven that when we think, it actually creates thought waves that can be measured. So we can actually measure our thought now. We also, he also discovered that when you focus your thought at a very specific point, the thought waves do not pass that point. And then on top of that, um, the, there's, there's something happening at that point, which they cannot measure yet. They can tell that there's something happening, but they haven't been able to scientifically measure what it is yet. So the thoughts are leaving, going out through, through the, this, these atoms, these, this energy that Einstein told us about, and go to a point and start creating. So our thoughts are creative. So science is proving it. Metaphysics is proving it. Spirituality is proving it. Our thoughts are, are very creative, but our thoughts are only creative in the present moment. You can't think in the future or the past. You can only think in the here and now. So it's the here and now that creates everything else in your life.
0: Mm, I love that. I, you know, it's just, we're not taught this, you know, it, it, we're, we're not, not,
1: we're not at all. And it, you know, to, to, give you an, to give you an example, when I, when I moved to Ohio, I moved here because my, my wife and I split, she moved to Ohio with my son and I'm never going to be away from my son. So I moved within a mile of her house. <laughs> she, she wasn't really happy, but I didn't care. <laughs> um, and we're, we're all fine. You know, we always support each other. It's all good. Mm-hmm. But I got to Ohio and I was, and I was corporate speaking. And I said, well, you know, I should, I should see if I can get any, any other just local work. I said, well, well, maybe I'll teach at a college. Maybe I'll teach at a college. Now my degree was in architecture and all of my work in life has been stunt work and fight choreography and, and, and stage combat and everything else. So, I'm, so i just decided, okay, thank you, God. I am, I am going to teach you to college about two weeks later. I got a phone call to go do fight choreography for a play at a local theater in Cleveland. I go over there and I do the, do the fights for a play called my favorite year. And the guy who was starring in the play was a brilliant actor. And at the end of the play, he says, boy, he says, I've never seen a fight director like you. You're amazing. He says, have you ever thought about teaching a master class just a single class somewhere? I said, I would love to do that. He said, well, I'm the dean of theater at Oberlin College. Why don't you come teach a master class at, Ober- at Oberlin? I said, sure. So I came out and I taught one master class, and he, which he sat in the back of the room and watched. At the end, end of the class, he said, you know, I wanted to see how you taught. And I really like it. Do you want a semester? And I taught at Oberlin for the next eight years. Wow! <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so think think about that. I wasn't I wasn't technically qualified to teach there as a theater degree person. My degree was in architecture. But I taught at Oberlin. I taught stage combat at Oberlin for eight years as as a professor. So it's to me it's fascinating. But I didn't ask how to do it. I didn't ask for any, any, anything, but just declared that I was going to, Mm -hmm. and then the opportunity was put in my path. And that's how my life has been lived ever since.
0: Nice. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now let's talk about your stuntman and your fight director. Let's talk about some of that stuff. Sure. What do you want to know?
2: That
1: sounds cool. <laughs> it is, it, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, and you know, when I, er, earlier on, I said, I wanted to be Errol Flynn and Robin Hood and all that uh-huh. stuff. Years later, I actually got to take a couple of classes from a man named Patrick Crane. We called him Patty and Patty was Errol Flynn's stunt double. I actually got oh, wow. to sword fight Errol Flynn's stunt double. And I, you know, I was in a movie with Brad Pitt and David Duchovny and, you know, I did, I did all kinds of interesting stuff, but most of my stunt work was live stunts in live shows and the difference between film stunts and live stunt you know all of it's dangerous you, know, you plan for the the best you know but you plan for the worst but hope, hope, for, the hope best, for the best right yeah. and um for in, in live stunts you train to do the stunt you know 3 to 4 times a day for 5 or 6 months and film film work you you train for your stunt for a week or two then you do the stunt and then you start training for a different stunt Cause they got it on film now. Uh-huh. So it, so it's, it's a very different animal. So um, for me, I was doing live stunt shows with zip lines in over audiences and jumping off towers and fire. And wow, <laughs> it was, it was so cool. <laughs> it wow. was one of the coolest things I ever did in my life. And I, you know, if I wasn't a 57 year old man with a, with a, a, you know, bad knees and a bad, bad ankles right now, I, I might still be doing it, but I'm done. That's a younger man's game. <laughs>
0: So as a fight director, are you the person who trains like the stars to do their fight scenes in the movies
1: yeah I, I, in, in the in the film work what a lot of the, one of the stuff that I would do is I would be what's known as a technical expert okay. so say for instance uh, actor needs to learn how to crack a whip mm-hmm. so I come in and I train them on the whip and I, and I do that now when I direct fights or direct the choreograph the fights, I actually do the entire piece okay. and if I'm doing a live show, most directors if you're if you're the fight director for the for a live show they give you the scene to direct so you go in there and you you start from before the aggression all the way up through the end of the fight and so you direct the entire scene um but uh in film work i am an expert in um whips and nunchucks quarterstaff uh european sword styles um rope fighting knife fighting. Uh, gosh, hand-to-hand martial arts, uh, just all, Western gun spinning. I do Western <laughs> wow, gun spinning as well. Really? Yeah. The, the, key, the key to being a, a successful fight director is to constantly be upping your skills. Right. Because you want to show up on on set and go, okay, you don't need to hire somebody else because I have all these skills. Right. And so, um, and w- you'd be surprised how, how, how often, like even in modern film, Western gun spinning, is used like even um Sylvester Stallone recently did uh the Expendables movies uh-huh. and he carried a Western pistol on, on, in a holster on his back. And he was doing, all, he was doing quick draw and fast draw and all that. So I didn't do it, but somebody had to train him to do quick draw for that, for that, for those movies. <laughs> yeah, so just, that's the kind, kind of stuff I did. Yeah,
0: It's just fascinating. Cause I always wondered that. And okay. So I'm going back to the nunchucks and Bruce Lee. Okay, so yeah, yeah. nunchucks are dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell me. <laughs> you know, growing up, I think my brothers had a pair, and I think after a while, I think my mother must have thrown them away because it was like she was like these things are de- are dangerous. Well, you so. know, it's funny.
1: I when I get when I I use nunchucks in my corporate speeches, and and I li- I talk about the idea of two rigid objects, and the only way they can work together is this little bit of flexibility in between, and <laughs> do all this fancy twirling um but the first one i pull them out i turn to the audience and say who in this room has hit themselves with a pair <laughs> of these
0: i was gonna ask you how many times and, have you hit yourself and
1: every audience has uh, probably a third of the audience raises their hand <laughs> it's a it's amazing uh, um i it's funny i i was talking to somebody the other day another fight director i know he's a he actually did fights for star wars um the the, tri- the prequels mm-hmm. and um and I was telling, him, I was like, I was like, yeah, look at this. I said, this is a this is a nunchuck scar. This is a broadsword <laughs> scar. This is a rapier scar. This is where I broke my nose with a bullwhip. How's that for you? Oh. You know? And, and he turned to me and said, you should stop parrying with your face. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's probably not a good
1: thing. <laughs> probably not a good thing. Yeah. I said, you should have told me that twenty years
2: ago. You know?
0: <laughs> Man, I mean, this is like really fascinating to me because I'm one of those people that. I'll read the credits of a movie. I don't know why, <laughs> you know, but it's always interesting. I'm always wondering like, okay, so how did actor, whoever get in shape for this role? Cause of course someone had to get them in shape to train, sure. to do the sure. fight especially, scenes,
1: especially all these, these superhero movies that are out now, all these guys training. What I find really interesting is when you, when you delve into the, the, the physical training aspects of it, and you start looking at the people who train the, the actors Um a lot of them are using old school bodybuilding techniques. But, you know, remember mm-hmm. the, the, the original Rocky movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, he fought Carl Weathers. Right. Who, who was probably one of the best built men that's ever been put on film. Hmm. I
2: mean,
1: he is just physically, physically fit. Well, he 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 was trained by one of the guys who trained Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. You know, you know and then when, when Sylvester Stallone was doing his Rocky and his Rambo movies, he was trained by Arnold Schwarzenegger's best friend. Right, so you you dive into some of their some of their um, who who trained who and it's really fascinating how the bodybuilding world works into it Carl weathers back to Carl Weathers he was training with Vince Garanda and Vince Garanda became famous because back in the 50s he had the lowest body percent fatage of any bodybuilder he was his his body fat percentage was so low that in the 50s they didn't like the look of the that lean hmm. He, he they liked a little bit of smooth muscle rather than, mm. than the, the the rippled effect. So he would never win, but he invented a diet called the steak and eggs diet. And Carl Weathers did the steak and eggs diet to get as lean as he did, and all he ate was steak and eggs and water <laughs> for like not for like nine months.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh. And so, yeah, you must have some like really good stories. The there, there's some good ones. There,
1: there's some good ones out there. One of my favorites that I've I've heard multiple times. I don't know if it's true because I was not there, but there's a story about this this actor, little known actor guy, some guy named uh, Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd yeah. never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was, he was doing some B B movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> um, one day he was in his trailer and there's a knock at the door and a guy walked in and said, Harrison, tomorrow morning, I'm going to train you on how to crack a whip. And Harrison said, okay. And the next day Harrison Ford showed up on set supposedly wearing a motorcycle jacket, welding gloves, and a helmet. because <laughs> He was afraid of getting hit by the whip. <laughs> and it's really interesting because if you've ever cracked the whip, which is one of my, one of the things that I trained actors in is whips. Um, you can't really crack a whip well with all that stuff on and it's just like anything it's just like anything in your life if you're going into some new goal or something and you start shielding yourself up right out of out of fear you're just making it harder for yourself right and same thing with same thing with whip but yeah Harrison Ford the guy who's so so known for his whip showed up on set with all that crap on
0: (laughs) well you know what I I have to say I don't blame him because I'm thinking yeah throwing that I can just see that Coming back
1: at my face. Yeah. Well, and you know what? You know it's, it's, I'm glad you said that because it, what's really interesting, and, and it's something I use in my speeches as well. When you crack a whip, you, you, you pull a whip up and you, and you and you crack the whip, and you leave the hand out in front of you. Okay, it's just like when you're going for a goal. You want to hold on to it until you get to the goal, right? Mm-hmm. With a whip, with a whip, you bring it up and you hold it on. You just keep your hand in front of you. If you keep your hand in front of you, the whip will literally crack and fall straight down. But when you when when you thought about it coming back at your face, that's a fear response.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's because you go boomy and you and you flinch, and you yeah. put more energy back in the whip, and the whip's now coming right back towards your face. And so it's it's interesting. But everybody thinks of that because that's what they do when they think of whips is they think pain or danger, or you know, right. so sometimes other things. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I, when I bring a person on stage, I always pick the most timid person I can find. And I never talk about whips because I don't want them thinking pain, danger, or uh-huh. other things. I only talk about fishing. And I talk about casting fishing rods. Okay. And so then by the time we get to the point where they're taking targets out of my hand, they've had all these moments where the audience was doing fish faces and everybody was laughing. and It was just really a fun experience rather than a scary one. And so by the time they cracked the target out of my hand, I said, just look right here and cast your fishing rod. And boom, and hit the target right out of my hand. Wow. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun.
0: And so do you do that at corporate trainings as well?
1: I do it. I do it in, in mainly in, in big keynotes, but I do okay. it in corporate trainings as well. A lot of times what they do is they bring me in for a big keynote for the opening kickoff. Uh-huh. And then right after lunch, they bring me back from one of my workshops because I, I can break them out of, out of a food coma after lunch. Right. <laughs> but what I do is I get them up and I get them moving. I do all kinds of stuff. And then for the last 15 minutes of that workshop, I give anybody in the room who wanted to crack the whip a chance to crack the whip. And, and it's interesting because you suddenly see all these people who were very timid before are now like they've seen this person who I brought on the stage before. And like I said, I chose the most timid person I could find and they, well, if they can do it, I can do it.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: it's really, it's really an interesting thing. So, but yes, I, I use that and I use whips. The, one of the first things I do is I, I pull the whip out. I hit a target on somebody else's hand. And then um, I eventually do, uh, the nunchucks I do okay. a thing where I put I put five men down in chairs
2: mm-hmm.
1: get them to lean back on each other and I take all the chairs away and they're supported they're levitating off of each other uh-huh. basically <laughs> you know and then um, the last thing I do on, in that speech is I uh, is I bring the person up and, and have them take the target out of my hand which is
0: cool yeah I would have to see that because yeah <laughs> like the whole crack in the whip and yeah <laughs> Well, if you, if, you, if you go to my website,
1: corporateactionhero.com, um, right on the main page is my promo video. And okay. you'll, see, you'll see me cracking whips, you'll see numjects, but you'll see like four or five women on stage cracking targets out of my hands. Wow.
0: That's, that's cool. That's really <laughs> cool. I like that. Has the excitement for your business disappeared or been replaced by the tough financial reality in your life? Let us help you stay strong as a leader and set the course to putting your name in history by joining our free five-day challenge, Make It Rain, The Legacy Event. With invaluable knowledge accumulated by global leaders from around the world, we will help you break away from your self-limiting beliefs and get you closer to achieving financial abundance. Secure your spot today at the thepivot.com maestro.com forward slash M I R dash event dash register. Okay. Fun. So we've, we've gapped enough. We got to get to our questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> and it could be like, as said, work, personal, funny, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Um, who or what motivates you?
1: I have a 17-year-old a son. He is my complete motivation. I do everything because of him. What
0: demotivates you?
1: What demotivates me? Negativity. I get around negative people and I get really unmotivated. <laughs> In fact, I leave them behind. and I go yeah. off and I create my own.
0: When was the time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good?
1: Oh. It's, it's it's an interesting question because I had a, an, an emotionally abusive father and of his seven kids I was the one who got the brunt of it mm. and he said things that were horrible to me as a child but as an adult many many years later I can go back and go okay that made me independent mm. so I it, many years later I'm looking back and saying that was for my good no matter what happened mm. you know because I, it, it empowered me in the end
0: nice what is your fear.
1: What is my fear? What is my fear? I guess if I was to say right now, my, my biggest fear is that I, the, the, what I want to teach people about their inner power, that I can't get a broad enough reach. Mm. I, I, want, I want to reach as many. I want to leave this world leaving a positive wake behind me like I was a boat going down a river but I want to leave a positive wake behind me. I don't care if they ever remember the captain of the boat. The only thing I care about is the positive wake. And I want to make sure that I I affect a lot of people while I'm here.
0: Mm, that's nice. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Oh, there's
1: many, many, many times in my life. Um, well, that one, well, as I said earlier, my father was that abusive guy and I, that manifested in when I was 13 years old, I was 265 pounds. Mm. I was a very heavy kid. And there were times in my life that I could have grabbed a hold of my own personal power and done so many different things in, with my life back then that would have altered everything I've done now. And I would would have done much more. May, but who knows? Maybe I wouldn't have because the back injury changed everything for me. So wow. it's a tough question
0: for me. Yeah. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? I
1: think that all of us have regret in some form. And it's interesting you ask that question because I put out daily videos and I have videos and I've been doing daily videos since 2013. And um, my three top videos that that show up have the word conscience in the title. And they're all about clearing the conscience. And I think there's a, there's a predominance of people who have a guilty conscience. And I think we all have to realize that having a guilty conscience, those regrets that we're talking about, the first, the first thing you have to do is you have to, if, if you feel you need to make amends to someone, go make amends to someone, but then you have to forgive yourself for the things that you've done wrong. And for me, there's lots of times in my life that I've regretted it. But now knowing that I only create in this moment, I can't stay focused on those past moments of, that I'm of regret. Instead, I positively change my experience now.
0: What is your definition of success?
1: Freedom. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Freedom. When you think about it, it, people want success so that they don't, they don't have debt doubt or, or debt, or they want, they want to be able to do the things they want to do in their life. They don't want to have to worry about anything. And that's simply freedom. For some people, success will be having a, a beautiful little house out in the woods and have just enough money to feed themselves. And for somebody else, it might mean, might mean that they have a, a mansion on the cliffs of California. But, you know, no matter what your material goals are, everything comes down to freedom. Because those people who reach those giant goals sometimes can't stop. You know, you, know, you look at like Johnny Depp right now. He's got 34 houses. How many how many days does he stay in each one? (laughs) You know, it's like, is that really freedom? You know, is that really that's you know he's just it's just conquest at that point. Yeah, what are you awesome at? What am I awesome at? Um, I am awesome at always always smiling, Uh, (laughs) and I and I I find it interesting. I walk I usually walk through life with a smile on my face, and I'm always fascinated by the people who do a double take and smile back, mm-hmm. because they're not used to pe- seeing people smile. Right. And so by walking through life with a smile, you will see people literally get shocked by it, and then give you a smile back. And I think if more of us would just smile at each other, we could change the world.
0: Yeah. And you I, I think you already answered this, but what legacy do you want to leave? Pr- pretty much, like I said, I
1: want to make sure that I behind me, I leave empowered people. Yeah. And like I said, I don't care if they ever remember my name, as long as in the end, I can look back and go, look at that. I, well, I'll tell you what, let me tell you one of my proudest moments. Um, There was a lady I was coaching who had agoraphobia mm-hmm. and agoraphobia. She could never leave her house. She was so terrified of going outside. And I worked with her for two years. And at the end of those two years, she took a solo trip to Africa, climbed mountains and hung out with gorillas. and, <laughs> and, and it was fascinating. And one of the turning point days for her, and she told me this later on as I was driving her to lunch. Cause I, I, I always made sure that I got her out of her house.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I took her out to let her start having the experience of it being okay. You know, having a positive experience outside and I'm driving her to lunch. And I suddenly hear her little voice from the other side of the car say, why do cars merge with you so easily? And my response was because I love to drive. And because I love to drive, my loving experience of driving, everything is going to give me a loving experience of driving. I'm not going to be afraid of the person merging because I'm not. I'm not delving into fear, right? Sure. That changed her life because she realized that if she just started loving her experiences, the experiences were give would give her a loving response. What wow. you sow, you reap.
0: That was deep. I
2: like
1: that. Well, I go there sometimes.
0: (laughs) So that that kind of takes care of the next question. I was going to say give them a motivational takeaway, but that was it right there.
1: (laughs) Well, let let, let me just say this. Okay, everything we've talked about today has been powerful. Yes, we've talked about some pretty cool things, but it all comes down to one thing: your present moment. You know, what you do with your present moment determines tomorrow's outcome, and. If you can just realize that all you don't have to worry about the daunting thing that's coming or the terrible thing that happened in the past, just stay right here and make this moment as great as you possibly can. And just stack that little moment that you just did behind you and just start Uh another one, stack another one behind you. If you just stay here and and live positive and joyful, you're going to create a positive and joyful life and you're going to create positive and joyful outcomes that are going to come into your experience. That's what the whole, everything we've talked about today says that. Stay present, moment positive, and you'll live positive.
0: Right. Nice. So, John, tell the listeners how they can connect with you. If they want to work with you, they need some stunt doubles. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is corporateactionhero.com. Um, if you want daily motivation, uh, my, I have a YouTube channel, The Corporate Action Hero, that puts out one daily video. Um, just usually five minutes of motivation daily based upon some quote that I've read. Um, I have an my own podcast called the interaction hero. And if you're into, into spirituality at all, I have another, another, uh, podcast called spirit cafe podcast, and they're both on all of the, uh, all of the, the platforms that are out there. Um, but for your audience, I want to make sure they get this gift and realize I'm going to give you this, this link and, and I'm sure it'll end up in the show notes or whatever, but, um, it, you have to use the link to get to the gift because it's it's not you're not gonna find it on my website, even though it starts with my website address, www.corporateactionhero.com slash gift. G I F T. That's how hard that is to find. <laughs> <laughs> um but if you go there, you're gonna find the five F workbook. You're gonna find I, I believe five or six videos that support the the five Fs as well. And like I said, there's nothing on that website that will sell you a thing. If you want to see, if you want to see the, the promo video, it's on my homepage. And if you really want to get tricky and see some some more of the, the the whip stuff and all that we were talking about, instead of putting "gift" on it, put the word "planners" on it. <laughs> and you, you'll get to another secret page.
0: <laughs> oh, see, see, now I'm going, I'm gonna sign up for my my five Fs and I'm gonna look at the videos <laughs> the planner. I'm gonna do that. What was the name of your first podcast?
1: Uh the first podcast is the Interaction Hero Podcast. Okay. And that okay. that is all about people who've overcome adversity, how they've done it, and and it's there's also some guests that I bring on that are there to give my listeners tools to overcome their own adversities. So like, you know, like I brought on a guy who helps people who want to write a book, write a book, get it published because that's, you know, that's what they want to do. So here's the tool to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So do a do a lot of different, very diverse things on that podcast. Nice. Great. Well, John, thank you for being on Trina talk. It's been great. This has been a great conversation and we didn't even go, as deep as we could have gone, because we didn't even get to talk about your podcast, but we talked about some good stuff. <laughs> so we may yeah, have to well, have you well, back.
1: I, I, well, I'll come back anytime you want you to. This has been great, and and I, I, you know, if the the things that we talked about today, I think have real impact, and I think that I think that we'll, if anybody got anything out of today, that's all that's all that matters. You know, that's, that's if they if they got even one little tidbit, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. If you like Trina Talk podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.